0: Shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America.
1: I'm Sarah Ferris, true crime podcaster. And I'm Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. And you're listening to Stop the Killing.
0: Hello, lovely Stop the Killing listeners, or STK as I like to abbreviate it. Catherine and I are currently working on season three of Stop the Killing, but we've built such a fabulously supportive community of listeners over the last two seasons. We don't want to leave you with an SDK shaped hole in your podcast downloads. So we'll be adding in a series of episodes on the Thursday feed with listener questions, which is where you come in. We would love to hear your questions. So please message us at Stop the Killing Stories on Instagram or if Twitter is your jam, STK Podcasts. And in the meantime, if you want to stay abreast of when season three will be kicking off, then make sure to follow us on Instagram at Stop the Killing Stories. Or if you're one of our ever-growing Patreon supporters, you'll be the first to know and have early access to season three over on patreon.com forward slash stop the killing. Plus, of course, access to all the usual bonus content and ad-free episodes. And talking of ad-free episodes trust me i get ads can be super annoying but if you're listening on the usual platforms with ads please just remember by supporting our sponsors it is one way that you can support the podcast we really couldn't make the podcast without the support of those sponsors and with all that admin out of the way time for this week's episode
1: hi vanessa hi amy and hi Hi, true crime Crime fans.
0: fans We're the co-hosts of She Goes by Jane. Every week, we'll be covering the story of a
1: missing or unidentified woman in the United States. Stories you may have heard before. And ones whose stories didn't make it into the news. We've been covering these stories for a while. First in Amy's book of poetry, Doe. And then in Vanessa's documentary, She. But now we want to share them with you here on She Goes by Jane. And each week, we'll be joined by a special guest who will read a poem in honor of the women we talk about. Can we say who? We can say who. Who? We'll be joined by actresses like Coco Jones and Gabrielle Ruiz. And musicians like Stephanie Quayle and Kelly Moneymaker, along with authors like Louise Penny and Catherine McKenzie. So check out She Goes By Jane wherever you get your podcasts, or check out Evergreen Podcast and their True Crime Channel, Killer Podcasts. We can't wait to bring you
0: these stories. Have you ever felt that pang of disappointment when you couldn't add a ticket to your collection because it was digital, or maybe you just lost it? Well, Stubforge.com is here to change that imagine this tickets that not only look but feel like the real deal because each ticket from Stubforge is printed on the same quality stock that Ticketmaster uses and printed with genuine ticket printers. It's like holding a piece of the concert, the game or the show right in your hands but Stubforge isn't just about replacing tickets. With the easy to use interactive designer you can create custom tickets for anything from concerts to sports games, pregnancy announcements Or parties. Why not make your invitations stand out with tickets that are as unique as your event? And if you're trying to complete a back catalogue of missing tickets, StubForge offers bulk discounts to make it both easy and affordable. With StubForge, you can once more give your loved ones physical tickets and see their eyes light up instantly at the best gift you can give. So whether you're looking to reignite your ticket collection, craft the perfect gift, or send the coolest invites, head over to Stubforge.com. Start creating today and see how Stubforge makes every ticket a story worth saving. Visit Stubforge.com and start making tickets today. Listener question time, and we've got a question from Carolyn here. As we come back to the school's training and drills and school starting back up, what I don't understand is if the Obama administration put together a team, led by you, Catherine, that developed Run-Hide Fight, why was it not pushed out to all the schools in the U S because I find what I've learned from both of you in this podcast is not what I'm told to do during a lockdown drill at
1: school and school pay for that misinformation. There you go. Well, first I would point out that of course, if the Obama administration team supported and passed run, hide, fight, it would be because the White House led the way, not, not the FBI. So absolutely, I was part of that team, but I was absolutely the advocate and sometimes over objection to run, hide, fight. You know, we had big discussions about it, but you're right. The Obama administration did push run, hide, fight out. That is the FBI's, the Department of Justice, the national standard here in the United States approved by Department of Health and Human Services. Approved by the White House, approved by the Department of Education, approved by the Department of Homeland Security and FEMA. They're all about preparedness and they come under DHS, lots of letters. But as a whole, all of the federal agencies made the decision to support Run, Hide, Fight. All of them put it on paper, put their seals on it, which is, boy, the official way you do it here in the United States. You put your SEALs, the FBI SEAL, the Department of Justice SEAL, the Department of Education SEAL. So everybody did approve of Run, Hide, Fight, including the Department of Education. But I think it's important, Carolyn, for you to know that the Department of Education does not direct every school district. We have 50 million kids in the United States, and they go to more than 100,000 schools, right? More than a couple hundred thousand schools. And those school districts all set their own parameters. And when it comes to safety policies, there was never anything pushed out at the legislative level that mandated. So the executive team, the White House and all of our agencies pushed this out as the federal policy. But the legislature never passed a law that mandated that schools train and run, hide, fight. So someone in the district that is making that decision of what is actually chosen to be trained
0: or what methods are trained. Is that right?
1: Exactly. Every district and every school principal, individual, private or public schools, they're making those decisions on what they want to train to. And truthfully, this is what it comes down to in a lot of the schools, just being very frank. Even though the Department of Education signed off on Run, Hide, Fight, it has not supported it. Because school district officials say which I've heard them say before, well, how are we going to explain to parents that we let the children run from the school? We're supposed to be responsible for the children.
0: So the education system's not backing it. It's not invested in trusting the system of run, hide, fight.
1: Correct. And I think that's the sad part. I think the department of education abandoned it because it was a, because it was a easy thing to walk away from. So they didn't come out and say, we don't support this, but what they did is they just took some of that information off their own website and basically ignore it. And they've left the schools and the school districts to individually make those calls and left people like Carolyn to wonder why is her school teaching lockdown or lockout and lockdown and nothing else when we know from data, we know from years, 20 years of data and interviews that everybody – at every scene runs and or hides every time run and hide run is your first instinct. Everybody does it. And we teach our children that in so many instances, we teach our kids to run from a stranger who pulls up to them in a car on the street We tell them if they're feeling threatened by somebody on the playground, they should run to safety inside the school and go talk to the monitor on the playground or the teacher. We tell our children to run away from danger because that's what our instincts tell us is the right thing to do. We would do that ourselves. If you were in a school with your kids and something bad started to happen, you would do everything you could to get yourself and those kids out of school. So, why we don't tell kids that in training. And we have had some horrible situations happen in the United States because there are school officials who are afraid of the grief they might get from some parent who says, hey, you let my child run away. And I'm just going to add this little asterisk that's completely unfounded. We have had children run from schools in shootings, not just one or two. I can think Mm. of several school shootings where children have run away to safety. I can think of them from the episodes that we've done. It happened at Oxford. They all ended up at a supermarket down the road and safety. Mm -hmm. Right. And there were, and there are so many more children Mm. run to safety all the time. Elementary school, junior high school, they leave the area, they run to safety Mm. and they survive. What happens with those schools Because there's obviously the other side of that. Like you say, there have been incidents
0: where this hasn't been taught in schools, that children are so wanting to please and do the right thing. So if they've been trained in a certain way, they're going to try and please the teacher and do the right thing. They're not going to instinctively go, well, I'm in danger. I should run, but I've been taught to do this other thing. What do you think is the most dangerous misinformation that gets taught in schools to these children?
1: Lockdown is your only option. Right. Climb underneath a plastic desk with metal legs, close your eyes, and pretend that nobody sees you. If your child is being taught that right now, you should know that, and you should change your child's attitude about that. Yeah. And that, that may sound so- bold, but you should do it. and some fun listen to fruit loop serial killers of color on spotify google play apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts
0: carolyn works in education is there a resource that you can point schools to a point of best practice that they can go to and go right this is where we should be looking to as our gold standard for training
1: I think that people want to see that from their school district and they want to see that from the U.S. Department of Education. And unless they're getting it from those sources, it makes it hard uh, because they're getting conflicting information. But there are schools, and we've talked about them on our podcast before, schools that do good training. And I've got a whole chapter in my book just about training children. So I think it's about empowering So let me say a couple of things about it, especially because she works in a school. Carolyn, if you don't know this, I have a daughter who teaches. She's a middle school teacher. And after the Uvalde Elementary School shooting here in the United States, my daughter said to me, I told my principal that when the shooting starts, me and the kids are going out the door. I said, is that what they train you? And she said, no, not so much. And I said, what did your principal say? And she said, the principal said, okay, well then because the principal knew that she wasn't kidding and she was going to do it. But I think the difference is, let me just add this though. I think the difference is that I think the principal knows that my daughter is my daughter. She is going to take my direction and have confidence that I'm giving her the best advice for her and her students. And Mm. she said, I'm not staying in a classroom to have somebody come in here and shoot my students. We're leaving. I love that. And you know what I also
0: am really hopeful about is you say it's the school districts that make those decisions, the school boards, what have you. But people like Carolyn and other listener questions that we've had come in, they're all wanting to take action to make sure that their school's safe from the ground level up. And looking for actual ways that they can participate in making sure that happens. And I think that's a really positive thing in a community, isn't it?
1: Definitely. I hear from more teachers than any other group because the teachers are at the front line. The teachers are the ones who are standing there trying to decide how to protect their students. And if you want to know whether run, hide, fight is the right way, pull the news clip of the Uvalde teacher who survived who had all these children in his classroom murdered at Uvalde Elementary School. And he said, I did exactly what we were trained to do. I told the kids to get down under their desks and close their eyes so they wouldn't see what would happen. That kills me, especially because I read interviews after that, that in less than an hour later, law enforcement was breaking windows out of classrooms and hauling people through those windows, hauling teachers and children through the windows. And then as the children were climbing out the window, the law enforcement officers were saying to them, run, run, run. Why does it take a law enforcement officer breaking a window and pulling you out of the window before you can run to cover? God, I hadn't even realized that they only trained lockdown. They trained lockdown and then they had so many other problems. They had classroom doors that didn't lock. Some of the teachers didn't have keys to their locks. So they didn't close the doors and they didn't lock them. And then of course, we know that the law enforcement took 77 minutes for law enforcement to enter the classroom where the shooter was. And so people inside the classroom, some of them likely bled out, but either way, there was a lot of horrible death, 19 children, two adults who Mm. died in Uvalde, Texas in that school shooting. Even as bad as the shooting was at Sandy Hook, which is what propelled me into this role, there were children who survived at Sandy Hook because they fled the building and they survived because of it. And I guess this is what I say, especially now, you know, it's a new school year and we have kids back in schools and we need to empower our kids and our teachers to do what they can to keep their children safe and let the children leave the building, they will find a safe location to go to. We've seen that over and over again. We've seen adults who show up, call the police station and say, there are six kids in my front living room. They ran away from this location where there was a shooting. And that's exactly what would happen if you and your family were in a grocery store or in a restaurant or at the movie theater. You would flee the area and then you would call law enforcement and you would call your house and say, hey, mom, I'm safe. So for teachers and parents, don't just let the school district make that decision for you. Ask the school district to teach in Run, Hide, Fight. And if they don't, teach yourself. And there are resources available. My website is covered with them. They're in my book. There are a lot of resources available to teach Run, Hide, Fight. It's not complicated. Run, Hide, Fight itself, it was an initial training system set up by the city of Houston mayor's office. On a Department of Homeland Security grant, it's offered in a variety of languages. I think, I don't know, eight languages or something like that. I don't know how many anymore. And it has supporting materials for training. And I do have in my book, a number of other training and education programs for kids. So Sesame Street, train for safety. There's a lot of great places. So start with my website if you can't find anything else.
0: Also, I remember your niece, Megan, she did something quite brilliant when she was having these conversations with her school principal and wanting to know that they were training correctly and realizing, of course, that they might not have all the information that they needed, but thankfully she had... Auntie Catherine on hand and I remember her telling this story and me being like oh that is so gold I love it she drove up to the school drop-off and in a brown paper bag like a lunch bag that she had stapled shut (laughs) because she didn't want to terrify anyone on the school run she handed this book to the school principal who was at the drop-off area or whatever it was and the teacher's probably thinking oh lovely a little packed lunch or an apple for me for the day she (laughs) opens it up and it's got stop the killing book written in it but I thought that was really great she took the power into her own hands and gave them the information. And you can only lead a horse to water, I guess.
1: And I will say this. I recognize that buying a book is hard. It's expensive. The podcast is free. That's the value of it. The book is certainly available on Amazon and other sites, but I will have a new paperback version out in April specifically. So it'll be less expensive. It'll probably be about half the cost. And I wanted to make sure that that was available to as many people as possible. And my job isn't to sell books. I have loaded <laughs> yeah. my webpage page. Uh, with with a huge number of resources so people can go. But you know, I think to the point of this initial conversation, Carolyn's saying, what do I do? My school doesn't really teach run, hide, fight. How do I learn about that? What should I do? Should I be doing run, hide, fight, or should we just be doing lockdown? It is a, sometimes a complicated question, but I think that you need to be empowered with the information, whether you get it online or you get it from a book or you get it from here on the podcast. And then go, you know, go to your school and say, we want to improve the potential of safety in case of an emergency. And let's talk about how to do that, which is exactly like you said, what my niece Megan did.
0: This podcast is a community podcast production that's con with an N. If you want more content, then head over to community podcast at Instagram, where you'll find trailers on more binge-worthy true crime, like the award-winning podcast Conning the Con. And you'll find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stop the Killing Stories or Twitter at STK Podcast. Come and join the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. All the links are in the show notes. Finally, if you want one takeaway action that you can do right now that can help make our community safer, please share, rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Everybody needs to know that they hold the keys to see something and say something. Together, we can stop the killing.
1: Hello? Hello? It's one of those things you hope never happens, but you better train for it, because it will happen, and it will happen in places you wouldn't expect. Be ready for it. Dive into the heart of crime with Foul Play Crime Series. Immerse yourself in the most perplexing cases where each twist and turn is more baffling than the last, with riveting storytelling and detailed analysis. Foul Play brings the unsolved and unexplained to life, captivating your imagination. Listen to Foul Play crime series now, where every story is a puzzle waiting to be solved.
0: So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins People who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh-huh. You go home, and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found.